Section 1 of Loop Guru. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Oogie's Ragdoll. Loop Guru by Eden Philpotts. Section 1. In a little house at Demonica, perched upon low yellow cliffs that overhang the Rizu River, dwelt Ruth Malian. Villa St. Joseph, with its white walls and purple roof, peeped from a perfect bower of palms and orange and tamarind trees. Mrs. Malian's attendants were the Ethiopes of that sunny land. Her ever-present companion was the music-making stream that flowed beneath. Sometimes, in seasons of drought, the Rasu would dwindle to a mere silver ribbon, winding among the great boulders in its bed. But after heavy rains, a roaring torrent of yellow water, crowned with foam, flooded that exquisite valley, and, dashing seawards, widely stained the blue waters of the Caribbean. Mrs. Malian was the widow of a Demonica coffee planter. Cough, however, had begun to fail before her husband's death, and one of the open and always interesting questions in Demonica society, at the time of this narrative, concerned her real position and possessions. Some said that the old lady's wealth must be very considerable. Others denied the assertion. Nobody really knew anything at all about the matter, not even her own heirs. The brothers, Roger and No Warren, had equal claims upon their aunt. But whilst the elder was in every way an admirable youth and a credit to his native island, it is to be regretted that very little in his favor could be said of the younger. These lads vied with one another in attention to their aged relative, and the secret rivalry of years accumulated in something very like discord when Mrs. Malian began to favor Noel openly. Her lack of judgment in such a course formed matter for universal debate, and people arrived at the conclusion that, if her intelligence was not absolutely failing the woman, at least she no longer knew a good nephew when she found him. For truly, Roger Warren, considering his age, could point to a very exceptional record. He was staid, sober-minded, self-contained. He had identified himself with a small Moruvian movement at Demonica. He conducted his store in the town of Rizu with equity and ability. He never tired of inculcinating noble principles among the blacks. He promised to be a burning and a shining light before very long. His younger brother, Noel, had nothing to recommend him, so Demonica declared. Never were two more opposite natures than his and Roger's. He led an idle, dissolute, nocturnal existence, favored no religious body at all, lived on a trifling patrimony, the capital of which was fortunately beyond his reach, and only in one direction approached any regularity of conduct. He did not neglect Aunt Malian. To her he paid every attention and kindness, and the old lady enjoyed his society, delighted in his comic chronicles of events in Demonica, found his light-hearted nature a pleasant sauce to the quiet autumn of her life. No Warren was a jovial, reckless, good-hearted, thoughtless wight. He fluttered through the pleasant places of life like a butterfly. He loved beauty and sediment, and the poetical side of things generally, but no negro ever hated work more cordially. Many expressed regard for Noel. None ever pretended respect. Mrs. Manning liked both the young men after a fashion, but she felt more at home with her naughty nephew. Roger made her nervous. He was so very good. His sentiments tickled her sense of humor, too. It was, in some measure, absurd to see so old a head upon such useful shoulders. 
But while Roger was cold and unsympathetic, Noel suited her exactly, for he appreciated her little jokes and her old-world remnants of the prosperous days of Demonica. Though Mrs. Mallion was quite alive to Noel's sins and wickedness, yet she let them go rather easily by. He was such good company, and while thoughtless for all the world beside, always considered her. "'I find him very lovable and warm at heart,' she said once, when her grave elder nephew expunulated from a sense of duty. "'He is a creature of sunshine, and I, who have seen much sorrow, enjoy have him by me, for I want sunshine. Noel means well.' "'Like many others, Aunt Ruth, who will some day find themselves in a place that is paved with good intentions. You might help him, but you make no effort to do so.' You might speak a word in season, but you never do. Oh, how I wish, Aunt Ruth, you would occupy your own thoughts a little more with the future. Yes, Roger, I really must begin. You see, life, even in a venerable woman like myself, is so very entertaining and interesting. You have already passed the allotted span, said the model with a sigh. But I don't think I'm so very bad, as old ladies go, answered Mrs. Mullion. Her little brown face puckered up, and her bright eyes twinkled behind their glasses. At any rate, she continued, I will say the word in season. Noel is naturally good, but weak, like his father. Roger retired. He wanted to save his aunt if possible. There was still hope for her, but he feared his brother had gone beyond redemption. That afternoon, Mrs. Millian chatted with Noel in her little garden at Villa St. Joseph. The young man smoked a cigar, drank claret, and peeled a mango for his aunt. True to her promise, she touched upon the subject of Noel's delinquencies, and he admitted the magnitude and extent of them without hesitation. I am exceptionally bad. There's nobody that can doubt that, Aunt Ruth. But I have a theory which completely explains it. I should be pitied, not blamed. You see, all men, as a rule, have their share of the old Adam. But look at Roger. He hasn't got any old Adam in him at all. Nature found out her mistake too late and made up the balance by giving me double my portion. You're not really bad, only frighteningly thoughtless. I wish you could see more of Roger. It makes me feel so wicked to be in his society. He is so very elevating, rather depressing perhaps, but still very elevating and extremely good for us both. Wouldn't be fair to him, answered Noel. You cannot touch pitch without getting dirty, Aunt Ruth. He's such a particularly spotless young chap that any contact with me shows. He told me so himself, so it must be true. He has made one or two final attempts to reform me by letter, but they've all failed, I regret to say. The Moravian people here liken him to St. Paul and fancy that I'm his thorn in f the flesh. It may be so. I wish you would make an attempt to turn over a new leaf, for my sake, Noel. I turned over so many lately, but they all get to look alike in a week or two. I will have another try, though. I don't vividly remember the former occasions, my dear boy. Oh, I do. Worse luck. No matter. I'll have another shot. Today's Thursday. I'll begin next Monday. But Noel's renewed experiments toward cleaner living proved even less happy than alleged previous efforts in the same direction. In fact, he fell more extensively than usual. And less than a month after his recorded conversation with his aunt, Roger brought to that lady a sad tale of the most discreditable escapade. Henceforth, he said, all decent doors must be shut against no warn. He is my brother, but I assert that no man or woman who values his or her reputation should know him. 
I'll bite Mrs. Mallion as a West Indian of the old-fashioned sort hardly looked upon Noel's latest adventures in the grave light that Roger did. Yet he was strong, she was weak, and finally he extorted from her a promise that, for the present at least, if only as a punishment, she would deny the hospitality of Villa St. Joseph to her younger nephew. The promise once given, Ruth Mullion spent all her time and efforts to escape from it. But Roger, though it wrung the young man's heart to do so, found his sense of duty assist him in keeping the old lady firm. He had got in the thin end of the wedge, and he prayed that it might still be possible to save her soul alive. End of section one.